I can't believe it. We're actually coming up on an incredible milestone. I'm so excited about this. In just a few weeks, Everyone Talks to Liz will mark its 100th episode. I mean, how did that happen? Where does the time go? That's going to mark 100 stories of the climb, what business leaders had to face and scale before making it to the top. I mean, these have been meant to inspire you guys, to make you realize that people have gone through hell and back to reach their dreams. So if you're experiencing something difficult, just know that is actually how you do it, right? But it's how each one of these stories has brought us individuals and how they scale the mountains they face that differentiates them. You know, everybody thinks that to be hugely successful, you got to be a killer, like, you know, Gordon Gecko. although we know how that story turned out. My guest today has an incredibly impressive career from running multiple successful food chains, from KFC to Krispy Kreme to Panera Bread. His secret to success, leading with compassion. So I know what you're thinking. You think that people can't build a company and make a ton of money by being a compassionate capitalist? Niran Chaudhary, CEO of Panera Bread, is the man to prove everyone wrong. Niran, it's great to have you on Everyone Talks to Liz. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much, Liz. A pleasure to be here with you. Am I right? I mean, people always say, oh, those soft-hearted people, they're not killers. They can't really build a massive conglomerate or a truly successful business. But that's completely wrong. Yeah, well, you know, I think leadership, I think, is a privilege. Um, And I think leaders need to have a mindset of being force multipliers for good. And by that, I mean of impact, not just, just confined to their organization that they're steward, but beyond that. In fact, I think, of course, financial success, enterprise success is very important because only by financially being successful are you then able to do the other things that that matter so much. So for example, if you're financially successful, you can continue to grow the enterprise and thereby help unlock the dreams of all the people that work with you. And only if you're financially successful can you also positively impact the environment and the communities in which you operate. So I think financial success, enterprise success is fundamental, the starting point. And if you have that, you can leverage that to have an impact in many of these other areas. I'm fascinated by your career because I came to know you when you were leading Panera Bread, which by the way, literally has the best soft cookies. I'm, I'm all about a softer, mushier, moist cookie. I hate the, the crispy ones. Um, you guys have that down to a science. But I mean, you got to tell me, you were born and raised in India and you got your start at Taj Hotels, but I don't want to start there. I want to go back and find out where you got your work ethic. Yeah, well, um, you're right. I was uh, born in this incredible country called India, Um, You know, 1.2 billion people, 300 million gods, such a diverse country. So I was born there to uh, uh, loving parents uh, who were always focused on doing the best uh, they could do by me in the form of education and opportunities. So I think it was back then when I really learned from my parents the importance of being focused on the intensity of effort, not Mm. on the outcome, you know. Focus on the effort. Make sure your effort is the best that it can be, and then the output will follow and not the other way around. I found that to be 
a, a very important, I would say, a value that I hold uh, very closely uh, over the last many years. And then I think additionally, I also realized back in those early days, the importance of deep friendships and relationships. So I fell in love with my wife when she was 14. I, I saw her, you know, when she was 14. And she has inspired me and shaped me in, into wanting to be more, to do more, and to be the very best version of myself. I've been inspired by my friends uh, when I was very young to follow them, to get inspired by them. Uh, so I think relationships can be truly inspirational, can drive you. And I think this thing of you know really focusing on your intensity of effort, I think is a very powerful mm-hmm. mindset that got shaped uh, way back then. Just as relationships can drive you, bad ones can actually derail you and force you to take your eye off the prize, which clearly you made the right choices. Uh, but let's start with Taj Hotels. Yeah. You started working there. Did you think always that you wanted to work in, in hotel management? You know, hotels um, just sort of attracted me, This the glamour of these hotels and uh, this beautiful lobbies and terrific restaurants and wonderful people. And I just love being there. And that's where I think I realized that what deeply resonated with me was, you know, people and people related businesses. Both I was, I was leading a team of close to about a thousand people. I was just 24 years old. You know, many of these people were older than I was. And then the, uh, the customers, I loved interacting with these all kinds of customers uh, inside these hotels. So I think my love for people-orientated businesses uh, started way back then. And the second thing I learned in the Taj Group, which is which belongs to the House of Tata's, one of the premier business companies in India, uh, was the importance of leading with integrity. You know, like doing things the right way, and that integrity is actually a verb. It is something that you do. It is not something that you expect. And I think that was, again, it, 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 sh- it has shaped me a lot, this importance of doing the right things the right way, especially when no one is looking. Mm. So I think those are the sort of some of the experiences that have shaped me uh, way back then in the Taj, uh, this love for people and, and you know, and, and doing things uh, the right way. You're 24 years old. You've got all these people answering to you. Tell me that it wasn't an entirely smooth ride. What kind of difficulties not. did you run into there? <laughs> you know, it was uh, it was very humbling because you you realize how much you don't know, uh, and you also realize that uh, leadership is about first off, you know, character and competence. Uh, you need to have the competence for people to see you as being a credible leader. So you have to learn more by listening more. So I think that was an important learning that I, I could lead others only if they thought I was willing to learn from them and add value. And then I think the second aspect of character, which is to lead other people, I think you need to be able to establish trust. And to be able to establish trust, you need to have predictable behavior. And to have a predictable behavior, you need to have you know, clear values. And therefore, I think early on, I had these, this sense of I must stand for something. I must hold myself accountable to the sense of integrity, of, you know, of, of courage, uh, of doing things the right way. And I think if you combine those things, then people start trusting you, you have more credibility, and you can have the impact that you desire. 
Yes, that's all very nice. But Niran, you're telling me that nobody who was under you at any point said, oh, you're a punk. I'm 20 years older than you. Why do I have to take orders from you? It happened uh, more than once, Liz. Um, <laughs> several times people said, you know, who's this young guy? What does he know? He's fresh out of college or, or school. And these chaps who come in in these management schemes and they're meant to know more than you, this is ridiculous. <laughs> so I think I, I, I found the, the secret mantra was always, whatever you want, you first be that. If you want respect, be respectful. If you want trust, be trustworthy. So I think by being whatever I wanted to see, I found that it took some while that, you know, people around me then would say, okay, this guy kind of means well, you know, he is, he's consistent. His heart is in the right place. Mm -hmm. In, in, uh, in America, that translates to bless his heart. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think, uh, it was hard going, and I don't know if I was able to ever sort of fully convert everybody. Uh, but I think uh, I, I was able to be more effective by basically listening more, learning mm -hmm. more, you know, acting with integrity and so on. And yes, and after that, I went to Yum Brands. What a fantastic transformation. You know, Yum Brands, one of the world's largest restaurant companies. My question immediately is, why jump from the chic Taj Hotels to, and, and believe me, I'm a huge Taco Bell fan, but KFC, Taco Bell, and, and pizza, Yum Brands India? Why make yeah. that jump? That's a great question because I was, imagine <laughs> this, I was working in the, uh, inside the lobby of a plush intercontinental hotel. And, you know, that's, that's what my world was. And then in India comes this opportunity of this so-called multinational, those days owned by PepsiCo, uh, coming into India for the first time to open up uh, these incredible brands that one had heard of and seen on television, but, you know, never quite visited. So I'd heard of Pizza Hut and KFC. I hadn't really seen one. So I was intrigued by it because I said, we want to set it up from scratch. So it felt very entrepreneurial. And I said, okay, but what does this concept look like? I remember asking my wife at that time, uh, this KFC thing, this Pizza Hut thing, do you think I should be doing this? She said, uh, what does it look like? I said, well, the closest I can think of is Wimpy's. Do you remember that brand called Wimpy's? Yeah. Yeah. So Wimpy's was the only fast food game in town. So she and I went and, you know, we were absolutely crushed from moving from that Intercon hotel lobby <laughs> to, to this fast food environment. Finger licking good. We were just sitting quietly and looking at each other and, you know, having our fries and burger. And she said, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> so um, so I, I did go through that question of, you know, what am I doing? But, you know, the, the I've always had this dream of I want to really sort of operate uh, at a global stage. You know, I want to I want to meet and learn from the very best across the world. And I want to have a global career. So I saw this as a stepping stone into a global conglomerate. And I was hoping that perhaps through that, I would have a career that went outside of India and I would then learn and grow and be able to have an impact. That really was the attraction. And therefore I, I, you know, I signed up. And additionally, this idea of how do you make a global concept locally relevant? Why should a country where you have 60% vegetarians care about Kentucky Fried Chicken? <laughs> <laughs> how do you how do you make a global brand 
locally relevant was a fascinating thought. Why would people care about Taco Bell? They didn't even know. They knew what a bell was. They had no idea what a taco was. You know, so I found that to be fascinating to be there at the ground floor and setting up all of these three brands. And that's why I joined Yam. I'm going to tell you something about my father. And it just jogged my memory because of what you said, convincing Indians who mostly are vegetarian or a huge proportion of the population is, and you convince them that they should certainly frequent these places. I'm sure there are many options, but in the 80s, my father went to India. He was a world-renowned surgeon, and he was asked to come to teach organ transplantation. Now, many people in India believe in the afterlife, and therefore, they're very hesitant to donate their organs after death because they think then they will somehow not be whole when they come back from the afterlife. So my father went to help convince the entire population that organ donation is a wonderful thing to do. And he worked in Bangalore. It was Manipal. I mean, it was a great experience for him. And he fell in love with India. But that's no small task. How do you convince people? So I think, uh, and that was such a precious lesson, which is, you know, how do you make a global brand locally relevant, a global Mm. brand Mm. with a local heart? How do you make the brand sort of resonate uh, with what's culturally important uh, for the customers and what they're looking for. So I think, um, and, and, the, and, and I think for global brands, what's important is that you have to remain global. You know, you cannot keep changing where you are and yet you have to adapt and bring the brand to life in a way that's local. So let me give you some examples that were fascinating. So for example, for, uh, for KFC, you know, uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken in a, in a land where you have 60% vegetarians and even the non-veg, they eat vegetarian on certain days of the week and months of the year. You know, every Tuesday or Friday, it's like a nightmare for a chicken <laughs> guy. <laughs> you know? so, so I knew that the only way to make KFC relevant and accessible to everybody was to have a finger-licking good vegetarian option. But that was very much, you know, like in the, I would say, in the mold of a KFC product, crunchy on the outside, juicy and spicy on the inside. So we came up with this cottage cheese sandwich, which was crunchy on the outside. And we made a secret sauce, a secret recipe, which Colonel Sanders, I think, would have approved of. Absolutely. You know, had he been around, you know. <laughs> and uh, we, we launched this thing. It was called a vegetarian zinger. And uh, it absolutely rocketed because, you know, customers said, oh, okay, I understand this, you know. And uh, the brand is being respectful uh, of our traditions and the way in which we live our lives. So that's an example of, of kind of innovating um, sure. for the local market. We're not done yet. We'll be back in a moment. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates 
candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clayman. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clayman right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clayman. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You were there for 23 years working for that company and then the jump to Krispy Kreme. I learned from Krispy Kreme the power of innovation. So how a simple product can be transformed magically through innovation. So for example, you know, the way Krispy Kreme leans into cultural moments, St. Patrick's Day, all the donuts go green, you know, and, and boom, the sales explode. Yeah. <laughs> or the solar eclipse, you know, and you have an eclipse happening in the donuts and boom, the sales sort of explode. So, uh, or, or another one, my favorite one was I was in the UK and we were about to launch delivery with third-party aggregators. And we said, you know, for the, uh, for today we are offering the first 30,000 donuts will be free if you order on the third-party aggregator. You know what? The internet broke. In 10 minutes, <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing crashed. So I learned the power of innovation, even in a simple product like Krispy Kreme. How did yeah. the Arabred gig, as, as people would call it, come about where you ended up running this company and really putting your stamp, your heart and fingerprint on compassionate corporate business? You know, I arrived at Panera in May of 2019, um, so excited because Panera, I think, reflects all of my deep core personal values. You know, one of be good, do good, and make others around you feel good. Uh, so Panera, our, our sort of purpose is to make this world healthier and happier. You know, healthier because of the quality of our ingredients, and happier because of the kind of cookies that we serve. <laughs> that would be <laughs> the, my favorite. Or the taste of our food, right? It is this relentless ambition and passion to pursue good eating, mm -hmm. food that is good and also good for you. And good for you because it's fresh, because it's clean, because it's the animal proteins are raised responsibly, because we are transparent. So I think it's, it's such a privilege and honor to, to lead a brand like Panera because it is reflective of the values I believe in, especially this one, that at Panera, we will serve food, only the food that we would serve to our own families. I mean, people always say, oh, those soft-hearted people, they're not killers. They can't really build a massive conglomerate or a truly successful business. But that's completely wrong. Yeah, well, you know, I think leadership, I think, is a privilege. Um, and I think leaders need to have a mindset of being force multipliers for good. And by that, I mean of impact, not just confined to their organization that they're steward, but beyond that. In fact, I think, of course, financial success, enterprise success is very important because only by financially being successful are you then able to do the other things that, that matters so much. So for example, if you're financially successful, you can continue to grow the enterprise and thereby help unlock the dreams of all the people that work with you. And only if you're financially successful, can you also positively impact the environment, 
and the communities in which you operate. So I think financial success, enterprise success is fundamental, the starting point. And if you have that, you can leverage that to have an impact in many of these other areas. I need our listeners to understand where this all begins to brew and to bubble up. I would love to talk about your incredible late daughter, Aisha, and the profound impact she had on your life and career. Uh, She was born with severe combined immunodeficiency. She suffered from pulmonary fibrosis, which she succumbed to tragically at age 18 in 2015. But you found her legacy in text messages and did the most extraordinary thing with them. Tell me about her text messages. Thank you, Liz, for asking about Aisha. Aisha is certainly the one person who has inspired me and continues to inspire me the most. Uh, She has had the biggest and the most profound impact on me. And I think it is because she, in her 18 years, has achieved more than many of us achieve in a lifetime. So so listen to this. She's got two talks on um, YouTube, two TED Talks with over a million hits each. She's... uh, (laughs) She's the author of a best-selling book called My Little Epiphanies, uh, where she captured all of her thoughts just a couple of months before she passed away. And recently, her story uh, inspired the making of a Bollywood uh, movie called The Sky is Pink, which is on Netflix. So imagine a life you know, led by a, a child uh, so fiercely, so passionately, that, it's, that she's left a fingerprint on the world and continues to inspire people. And I think from her... What I've learned most, first is courage. And I'll, I'll quote a few um, lessons uh, from her book, My Little Epiphanies, where she just penned down you know, her thoughts as she lay dying uh, in her bed. So on courage, she writes, pick the highest mountain to climb on and the dullest of the days to shine on. Meaning that whenever it looks very dull and tough, you know, pick another mountain. Do your very best to get to the top. And when you do, celebrate and then pick another mountain and do your very best to get to the top. And this courage, courageous aspect that she had was to always focus on that, what you have control over, not on what's happening to you. And, and I find that terribly empowering. So that's the first one. She also talked a lot about gratitude, you know, and she writes, I must remember that I am blessed. I must remember that I am blessed. And this was, you know, as she was, she was waiting for her own end. I must remember that I am blessed. And I think very often all of us are so busy living our lives. I think we should just take a moment, take a deep breath, and just remember to have gratitude for all of those people that we love in our lives and for all that is going right, you know, right now. So I, I find that, uh, again, a very inspiring thought, one of gratitude. And then finally, I think she was wise beyond her years, and she knew that the true act of joy lies in the act of giving. And she writes in her book, if you can't change your own life, there is always someone else's. And, you know, and, and that I, I seek a lot of strength from that, that, okay, I've, I can't reverse what has happened to me or my family, but I can certainly leverage that pain and convert that into purpose and lead with compassion, lead with heart, make a difference in the lives of the people that I work with and that I can potentially impact with through the enterprise that I steward. So you're you're right, a a big part of how I am shaped, I think has been a function of how 
what has happened to me in my life and and you know uh, reflections from it and most most importantly from Aisha this is amazing i i want to watch that movie on netflix the sky is pink i hope all of our listeners take time because the message that comes from this is so extraordinary and as great as your success is that message shines more brightly and i hope i hope our listeners grab onto this and realize we all get very caught up in our problems and our as you said day-to-day dramas but show gratitude just as Aisha did. We cannot thank you enough, Niran, for sharing this story and telling us about your climb and your success and how you dealt with all kinds of stumbling blocks uh, along the way. We wish you the best of luck. And I'm dying for a cookie right now. That's all I have to say. <laughs> thank you so thank you much. Thank you very much, Liz. Real pleasure. Niran Chowdhury of Panera Bread. And you guys, this is exactly what I'm talking about when I talk about the messages that we want to leave you with. I am hearing from more and more of you how much you appreciate these, and they do make you feel like you can see a path on the horizon. It may not be the exact path that this person has just explained with from our guests, but it, it really does help you realize it's a fight, and that's okay. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and I'll see you Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Claiming Countdown on Fox Business.